So welcome back to uh, District 3 Podcast. Um, this is episode 40. Um, I am joined today with Irvin. Yes. And Irvin. <laughs> what's up, Irvin? How you doing? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Excited about today's episode, which we have a friend and also the candidate for Justice of the Peace, District 6, Beth Coger. Thank you for joining us, Beth. Oh, thank you for having, having me. I'm excited to be here. It's I, I love your time, podcast. Right? I'm sorry. It's exciting times with, with everything that's been happening, specifically 287G. I know you've been one of the people that has really been trying to get as much information as possible from the jail in regards to 287G. Where were you at? Well, actually, thinking about it now, I think I was in a video conference call, Beth. I think you were calling me while I was <laughs> in the video conference call. And I was panicking, you know, and then uh, Madeline, uh, she sent me a message while we were in a video conference call with some of our higher ups and she was like check your email <laughs> <laughs> right that was um okay let me set a little background there Irvin. i i had sent sheriff elder an email uh asking him some 287g questions mainly to find out if he was going to extend the uh addenda or extend, extend the contract when it ended in june and a, a few other questions and i sent that email and it's something in the universe. I mean, my email to him must have crossed at the same time that he, the sheriff's office posted that Facebook post about ending 287G. I was so excited. First, I burst into tears. And then I tr started trying to call you and you wouldn't answer. So I tried <laughs> to call Madeline and Madeline wouldn't answer. <laughs> so uh, I, sent, I sent that email or text and yeah. And Madeline was like, what? So yeah, it was an exciting, it was very exciting to see that, but uh, we have to stay vigilant. You know, he, he said in there that he's going to reevaluate. Mm -hmm. And one thing I have, I can say for sure about Sheriff Elder, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. So we have to know he's going to reevaluate. And uh, so we have to uh, stay vigilant and hopefully he would let the public know before he did that before he signed another agreement but we need to check into that too and um, I, I need to follow up on that and see and talk to him about that but yeah yeah and, and for those listeners that may not be 100 percent familiar i know most people will be but 287g obviously the policy held by uh washington county and benton county uh that can place ice holds on anybody that might have uh, been arrested by any of the county uh officials um, has been suspended. So it's something that we're really happy about is, you know, you don't have these county officials acting as ICE agents at the moment and uh, because of the pandemic. And hopefully he does reevaluate and see how it's hurting the community. Um, Beth, uh, for those that, that may not be familiar with, with you, you know, me and Irvin very much know that you have long uh, experience in the legal world. Uh, maybe just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um... Well, uh, I was a paralegal in a small law firm for 43 years. If I had been there three more months, it would have been 44. I started out as, as a legal secretary. I got my paralegal degree. I was um, office manager. <laughs> I did billing, bookkeeping. You know, in a small office, you kind of have to do all that. Yeah. Um, and I wrote legal briefs and drafted pleadings. And uh, my husband, Steve, was a school teacher. He taught public school in Danville physics and chemistry. 
Um, we have two children, Sarah and Stephen. Sarah's a speech therapist in Prosper, Texas. And Stephen, as you know, is an immigration attorney in Springdale. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, I didn't know that about your daughter. Uh, Cause my sister's also a, a speech therapist. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Uh, and I've known, I don't know if you knew this Beth, but Stephen, I'm a big fan of Stephen, but I've known Stephen since I was like 13 or 14 years old. Oh no, I did not know that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, so like for over a decade, I met him over a decade ago because he was really good friends with my cousin, uh, Bertis who he calls B. Uh, <laughs> so really, really crazy, really small world that we live in now. Um, so how, how does that translate to, uh, for those, like we said, you're running for justice of the peace. You've been in law, involved with all these legal activities. How does that translate to you wanting to uh, run for a justice of the peace position? Well, uh, I got interested in running for a justice of the peace. Um, I've always been interested in, in politics and public service. That's how I met Urban, come to think of it. First time I met Urban, he was in the back of a pickup truck uh, giving a speech. I what, that would have been 2016, something like that. We moved here in 2015. So. Um, so I've always been interested in what's going on in the community. And I, I was following the Corn Court online and, uh, and I started going to the meetings and uh, I, I don't know, I just, I felt like uh, I'd like to see some changes on the court and uh, decided I, I wanted to run to see, help see those changes, help bring them about. So going, going back to, um, you were talking a little bit about yourself, Beth, and about mm -hmm. your son who's an immigration attorney. And I know he's also been a huge advocate against 287G. Um, yes. I wanted to touch on like how that conversation was with him when that news broke out that the that the uh, program had ended. How was that? Well, again, he would not answer my call. <laughs> Another one that wouldn't answer my call. Uh, so I sent I sent him a text, and he called me almost immediately, and he was like, "What? You know, just kind of like, uh, are you sure? Are you sure? How do you know?" So I told him, and he was he was just as very happy about it too. We need to throw a party after all this is over because yes, you know, <laughs> yes, we're do I'm celebrate for everybody. Yeah. But like but, you said, I mean, we do have to stay vigilant, and we yes. don't know if he's gonna try to renew it again. But we, besides staying vigilant, I feel like we still have to like continue with the pressure and continue with why. Let him know why. Uh, like during this time that there hasn't been a 287G active, how our community has still remained the same way it would have, you know? So there's, it's not really necessary to show that, that there is no necessity for it in our community. Um, well, as you know, Urban, I keep, uh, I keep up with the statistics on 287G. And last year in Washington County, there were 199 detainers were issued. Under, two, under 287G. In January of this year, we had 19. In February, it jumped to 28. That's the highest monthly total that we've had since Sheriff Helder started disclosing that data. And then we had 30 in March. So we were on track to have uh, 64 detainers for those three months compared to 47 for the same time period last year. So, I mean, I'm very happy that 287G is gone. Um, 
I hope there's, I want to make sure there's not any other program in the jail where detainers are, are being issued, ICE detainers are being issued. And uh, another thing that we can do or to um, stay vigilant is there's a lot of elections coming up in Washington County this year. Everyone on the court will know there's two, two JPs who do not have opponents. Uh, Chandra Washington and Suki Hires. Yeah. And Willie Lemming does not have an opponent. Otherwise, there's trail congested races, uh, contested races. Uh, every candidate and every for every office in Washington County needs to be asked the question: Where do you stand on 287G? If Sheriff Helder should bring it back, if anyone should try to bring that back, what will you what will be your position? Will you speak against it? Will you see that it doesn't happen? You know, we need we need to know that every candidate should, should make that should be asked that question. Yeah, and then we still have it active in two other counties, in Bank County and mm -hmm. we added Craighead County, which is like the Jonesboro area. Um, so those two definitely, we still need to target and see what we can do in order to get those sheriffs to not renew the contract. It kind of, it kind of uh, sounds to me, based on the documents that are on the ICE website, that most uh, counties, uh, and I'm not sure if all counties across the country, but most of them come up for renewal on the 30th of June. I think they I think they do because last year the reason it wasn't renewed is because the Trump administration had all these new requirements that they wanted in the agreement and the Department of Justice and ICE couldn't get that agreement prepared in time so they just I think they, that's my understanding that they extended them all so I kind of just I think Craighead County might take care of itself. Craighead County is a very is, they're very poor. Mm. They don't have a, a lot of money there to to work with. I think they're going to find out that 287G is costing them a lot of dollars and it's taken away from law enforcement and doing the job that they're supposed to do. Now in Benton County, that's a different uh, different situation there. So, mm. uh, well, Sheriff Holloway said uh, in in a news article recently, he said that the program doesn't make much of a difference in the Bend County Jail. So I'm like, if it doesn't make much of a difference, then why have it active then? Um, right. so uh, where he's coming from with that. I know. Uh, I have, as a matter of fact, last night I was talking to someone in Benton County uh, about that very thing. So we are, uh, we're trying to connect with some people in Benton County to uh, get that started. So, but you're right, we need to we have to stay vigilant. We need to think about Boone County too. And how, how is campaigning right now, Beth? I know with COVID-19, a lot of us have to stay in, uh, you know, and a lot of us can't be out uh, just in general. Um, how has campaigning changed for you since, you know, since that? Well, um, we had planned to be knocking on doors now. I, I have really some great volunteers and we had had one meeting and we were planning to start knocking on doors at the end of April, the 1st of March. Of course, we can't do that now. So we're gonna have to come up with, we're working on, uh, I'm training on some on, online webinars about campaigning on with Facebook Live and web webinars and, and things, venues like that. But we really don't know what we're gonna do right now. Uh, we're hoping that we'll be at some point be able to at least go out um, and meet people, but right now we can't. So uh, 
I'm, I'm, my, I guess my next step will be I'm going to be sending some mailers out soon and hopefully getting more active on social media. I have some people helping me with that. I, I realized right off that I needed help there. And uh, how, um, I know you told you saying that it's, it's more difficult to campaign right now. Uh, and, but at the same time, I mean, you, we kind of still have to, whether it being through video conference call or through making phone calls. Right. Um, what are you most excited about, if elected, to bring to the table in regards to like the quorum court table? What are you most excited about? Like, what are some of the ideas that you have or things you want to change? Well, uh, first of all, um, I'd like to change the attitude that's on the court right now. Uh, the, the quorum court, as it's as it stands now, uh, is not involved enough in, in, in decision-making. I had one quorum court member tell me that Judge Wood is king. They can't do anything without his approval. Uh, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, I want to see the quorum court be more involved, uh, ask more questions. Um, for instance, I was, in, I was at the quorum court meeting in January last year when Sheriff Helter and the bond council were there to with this 38 million dollar bond issue to build a new jail and uh, that would have been a three-quarter percent sales tax we already have a one-quarter cent sales tax so and that would have been a half cent and part of it would a quarter would dropped off that would have dropped off after the jail was built but you would have been shocked to have been there to see how the quorum court did not they it was like they didn't know what was going on they didn't ask questions and that's when I first got up and spoke at the meeting and asked for a cost analysis and for an, an assessment and to look at alternatives to the to incarceration. And uh, so I want to see more, I want to see the court be more involved and uh, I want to, um, be, to be more welcoming because when I've spoken in the court, in the court and when I've asked questions, I don't get answers. I'm not welcomed. I don't want, I want members of the community to be able to come to their JP and get answers and to be able to come and when, they're, when, they, when a community member takes the trouble to come to court, they should be welcome to speak. And uh, I want to address some issues about uh, the budget. Now, COVID-19 has changed. We don't know what impact COVID-19 is going to have on the county budget. Uh, the Arkansas Association of Counties and the National Association of Counties is predicting dire levels of loss of revenue. I'm afraid uh, that Washington County is going to be hit hard on that. We won't know. I think Bobby Hill said, the treasurer said, until the end of May. But I want the court to be proactive, not reactive. Right now, they're more reactive. Uh, right now, we have... Uh, we know we're facing a revenue loss, but I haven't seen anyone say, maybe they're doing the background, but I, they, I haven't seen anyone say, don't be spending money right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know how hard we're going to be hit. We need to save our money. But for, for instance, uh, there's, a, on, there's a bid online right now where Washington County uh, wants to buy a robot, tactical robot. Uh, I don't know how much money that is, but I don't think we need a tactical robot that throws yeah, grenades. Probably not cheap. <laughs> probably not cheap. Sounds cool, but I mean, do we need it? No. No, I mean, that's a far out example, Urban, but uh, it is an example of how uh, we need to be proactive.
Yeah. And, and Beth, uh, I mean, what what do you know about the situation with the jail right now? I mean, obviously, uh, I think whenever Sheriff Helder was trying to put this bid in for a jail expansion in Washington County, uh, the, the jail was uh, over capacity. Um, what do you know about, you know, we've had some programs to, to kind of release some of the some some of the people that were in the jail. Um, what can you tell us about your knowledge and, and experience about what's going on with the jail right now? Okay, uh, the, uh, at one point we had 800 in the jail, and but we we were going between 750 and 800. The last time I checked online, we were down to 386, and that was earlier. So we're down like 50 percent. It's at 360 and, right now. I, I just checked like 10 minutes ago. Oh, it's what 360? 360, yeah. That's great. Okay, so we're down, and. Uh, we're down because uh, we, we're taking some steps because of COVID-19. I think, you know, that's, that's what started it. But we're, uh, there's no reason that we can't, I'd like to see us keep that, that count down even after the pandemic passes. Yeah. Uh, but it's my understanding what we're doing, what they're doing at the jail right now is, first of all, they're not taking new misdemeanor commitments in. Um, any, and they're releasing a lot of people who might otherwise be in jail just because they don't have the money to pay, to pay bail. At any time in the Washington County Jail, 75 to 77% of the people there are pre-trial, which means they're under the Constitution, they're presumed innocent, they have not been convicted, and there's no reason for, they're, if they're not a threat to the, to the community, uh, they should be released. So I'm, I'm glad to see that, and I hope that uh, this will open the door and show that there's really no need for those people to be locked up. There's other things where they could be released on community with community supervision, um, just, just, you know, to make it fair. They, they should not be locked up just because they don't have the money. Another thing, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, another thing that if I'm elected, I will work hard for is uh, criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what we were talking about there. But uh, I'd like to see some programs in the jail to uh, address, uh, to bring education and job opportunities and life school classes to the jail and also drug addiction treatment. Uh, 90 to 95% of the people in Washington County Jail and judge, I mean, Tara Pilder has said this, are there on drug and drug-related charges. Uh, you're, and when you lock up people, when they have drug addiction problems, that doesn't help anyone. But if you can get them the help they need, that's, that's what's gonna make a difference. We have to get to the root of the problem of why our jail is so overcrowded, and it's a whole combination of things. Yeah. Uh, but that's one, that's one of them. And we have people in the county who are willing to do that. We just have to uh, make it happen. Yeah, and you talk about those programs that can lower the rate of recidivism and lower the amount of people that, you know, go back to jail, people that are, get continued support. Um, it, jail shouldn't be a place where people go back and back and back. It, it should be a place, you know, where, where people, uh, you know, do their time, a civic duty for, for as a punishment but not a permanent home, not a place where you're, you're fighting for freedom. It, it should be a place where we can rehab people um, if it's possible. So I'm, I'm glad you're advocating for that. I can't remember the exact percentage. I wanna say it was 62% the last time that I asked this question, the people who were reoffenders in the jail 
it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very, and I keep the, um, I keep a spreadsheet of the jail uh, intakes and uh, I see the same names popping up, you know, over and over. And a, a lot of those people, uh, well, several of those people are homeless. So we need to address that issue too. That's not, yeah. that's another thing that makes it, that makes it tough. Definitely. And one of, and I personally appreciate all the stuff that you've been doing within the jail. Um, I was telling Manny before we got on the air how I reached out to you, I think it was like two months ago, and I said, hey, Beth, and, and Sarah too, I said that the, uh, the television, that, you, that the television at the detention center, you couldn't really hear the court, you know, because the judge was talking really soft, the mic wasn't that good. And I think the next day or so, you, you got them to add a new TV <laughs> and a sound bar. <laughs> That was hilarious. <laughs> I sent Sheriff Holder an email and it turned out he was in some meeting and he he got right on it and uh, the next thing I knew there was a new TV there yeah that was, <laughs> hey, anything I, you know I don't know how that happened but I'm glad it happened it's been like that for weeks, you know, and people, uh, sometimes when people talk, cause there's, there's obviously family members and friends that come to, mm -hmm. to the court of their loved ones. And even when you, when they talk a little bit like soft, it's still like, you still can't hear what the judge is saying. Uh -huh. The judge is talking really low. Specifically, there's some judges that talk like low on purpose, you know? Yeah. So the fact that you did that was great. And I know that you're always open to hearing any kind of suggestion that you might be able to reach out to the, uh, to the sheriff's office about. So I really appreciate that. And uh, me and Madeline talk about uh, the partnership that you that you have with with Sarah Moore, um, how y'all are always together, just trying to see what you can do to fix things. Um, how did that partnership come about with you and Sarah? How did you all meet, and and uh, how did you all decide to work together so closely, like you have? Uh, that's a, that's interesting. Um, I call it serendipity because uh, at that January meeting when I was there, I was there just because a friend had invited me to that particular meeting. And then when it came up about the jail, that we were about to pass a sales tax for $38 million, I was like, whoa, what is going on? And no one was asking questions. And it was very unlike me at the time that I got up and I spoke and I asked those questions that I told you about. Why are we doing this? Have we looked at alternatives? Do we know that this will even pay for it? And Sarah was there on another issue. She was there to push for the opening of a crisis stabilization unit. And she came up to me afterwards and introduced herself and the rest, as I say, is history. Sarah and I are a lot alike in that we're very determined. The more people tell us we can't do something, the more we're going to show that we can do it. And we don't mind asking the tough questions. Yeah. And it's, imp it's important to have people like that, you know, um, that have the ability of being able to do that. Even sometimes I know that. It might not be easy, but because of the way uh, the way things are, you kind of have to push yourselves to really go beyond and try to get the answers for for the solutions that that might fix a lot of the systems in our like specifically the jail for us. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things that need fixing. Well, Sarah also, if I'm down, Sarah can say stuff that will lift me up, and if she gets down, then I can say stuff that will lift her up. So uh, we're. Uh... I think we make a pretty good pair. I mean, it's just not us, though. I mean, you know, the entire the uh, nonprofit that we founded, Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. Yeah. We have some wonderful people that that work there that help us get things done too. So it always helps. The more you have backing you up, watching your back, the better it is. And I wanted to to mention that as well. I didn't know how public that was. Um, 
in regards to like the organization. Can you talk a little bit just about um, what that organization is about and what y'all's goals are? Um, yes, uh, the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, as I said, it was co-founded uh, last year uh, by myself and Sarah Moore. And one of the projects that we're doing right now is, as you know, uh, volunteers that, that the Bell Project trains at, at St. Paul's Church to help uh, people get back to make their court appearances and remind them and get, provide transportation. And even in some instances, I know they, they provided housing and childcare when that was needed. Uh, so we're doing that. We are. We want to see. Uh, our main focus is, is criminal justice reform, but there are so many things related to that that you have to think about too. Uh, how, as we said before, housing—that's a big component of that. Getting people the help they need for a drug addiction and mental health issues—that's that's very important. And um, one of the things uh, we wrote, a, Sarah and I wrote a grant last week. It was our second grant, uh, first one we did not get, so we're hoping we get this one. Um, that will uh, hopefully help us keep track of data uh, at the jail and and on the, on the people who come through there and what, what assistance they might need. And we're, we hope to be able to work more on that. And we're looking at, uh, we've got some judges to sign off on a mental health court, which we're trying to get funding for that. And uh, there was another, the other issue that we're working about that we're working on uh, tomorrow is actually, we have a, a teleconference with Greg Parrish, the head of the State Public Defenders Commission, and someone from UpTrust. Are you familiar with UpTrust? It's a court reminder system. I think I've heard of it, but not too familiar. Okay. Okay. Well, Sarah and I have been talking to UpTrust since last summer. Uh, we made contact with them. And uh, they're very interested in moving into Arkansas. And their initial setup fee was like $20,000 and then they charged, they charged per reminder. But they've agreed, UpTrust has agreed to uh, provide services to all of Arkansas, every, through every public defender's office for, the, for one year, free of charge. That'd be so wow. good. And so we're gonna meet with uh, some public defenders online tomorrow and with the UpTrust people. So we're hoping to bring that here. But, and the first thing I think that we're also working uh, on getting funding for a sobering center. We went to Oklahoma City and they have a wonderful sobering center which diverts people from jail. And if you look at the number of public intoxs that, that Washington County Jail has, yeah. uh, it's, it's unbelievable. There's and there again is where you meet a lot of the reoffenders. So we would love to see that. And, we're, we're always pushing to get educational courses in the jail. Uh, we got Sheriff Helter to sign off on that, uh, but then we ran into some problems uh, getting, we just couldn't get it up and going before this happened. But when we get to where we can get people back and they can be, uh, be there, we're gonna push for that right away. That's gonna be one of our main things that we're gonna, that we want to see happen. Because that, when you can do that, you're looking, you're getting at the, the root of causes of what brings people to jail. Yeah. That's what we want to do. We do not need a larger jail. If we had, if we had built that larger jail, think what would be happening right now. We're in the middle. We don't know how much our revenue will be cut. And thankful we don't have that huge jail going up over there. Definitely. Right. 
Yeah, would have been a massive expense. But oh. Beth, um, I, I would just say, uh, and I'll speak on behalf of Irvin, but you know, we're really thankful for for all the effort that you're putting into justice reform in our county. Yes. Um, you know, we wish you the best of luck um, in your campaign for justice of the peace. Um, but we thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and <laughs> telling us about yourself and, and continue to inform the community and, and doing all the great work that you do. Well, thank you for having me. I, I'm honored to be asked to be on your podcast. So I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for everybody tuning in. That was episode 40th of the District <laughs> Podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Oh.